1: Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's com slash Wondery. This is The Hash Podcast. Stay informed with the latest on Bitcoin, ETH, the Metaverse, Web3, and more with stories that matter to the crypto world, all on The Hash for your ears. You're listening to the Coindesk Podcast Network.
2: Hey there, welcome to Coindesk TV. You are watching The Hash. I'm Zach Seward. That's Will Foxley, Wendy o, and Jensen We are here to get you up to date on all that is happening in the world of crypto here on, what is it, Wednesday? August 24th. Wednesday. 2022. Wild that we're really this far in the future. Do you ever think about that? Yeah. All right, Jen, you have the first story. (laughs) What is it about?
3: All right. There is drama on crypto YouTube. So BitBoy Crypto, whose real name is Ben Armstrong, is suing Atosi, whose real name is Erling Mengshul Jr., for defamation, saying he sustained damages that exceed $75,000. Here's Atosi explaining what happened.
4: All right, some of you guys may know that I'm currently being sued by the largest crypto channel known as BitBoy Crypto for 75,000 or more dollars. A lot of you guys are probably very confused like I was, so I'll take you guys through the whole timeline. At some point in 2020, I stumbled across a video that BitBoy Crypto made about a token called PAMP token, where he advertised this token as something that could only go up in price. I left that video thinking, wow, this is really what the newcomers to crypto see, considering he's one of the largest crypto channels. A couple weeks later, it came out That project PAMP apparently rug pulled, leaving the investors with nothing. The token went basically to zero.
3: All right. So that's a tozy side of the story. We're going to take a look at this tweet now from BitBoy Crypto. He says, you can't literally make up lies and accusations about people. There are consequences for this because you tell two truths and one lie that doesn't excuse the lie. Hate me all you want, but at the end of the day, people will be held accountable for lies and slander period. And so just for our audience, defamation is the action of communicating false statements about someone damaging their good reputation. Will, what do you make of this? There's been a lot of back and forth on Twitter this morning.
4: (laughs) Wow. Tossing me the hard topic this morning. First thing, that's tough. Tough thing, Jen. Uh, No, I I think it's interesting. This is the Atlanta crypto YouTube, right? A place that a lot of people don't venture into. Luckily, we have Wendy to navigate us through this story as well. Uh, Since you're a prolific YouTuber. But I think for most of us who live on crypto Twitter, crypto YouTube is actually sort of a scary place where there is like a lot of pump and dump token videos where there's a lot of curious and misleading information that goes around. And so this is sort of just part of the game, in my opinion, from all the videos I've seen. Not commenting on BitBoy, not commenting on Atosi at all. Sort of tread that line a little carefully because who wants to get sued? But I do think it is worth mentioning that like crypto YouTube is very different from the rest of crypto Twitter. And crypto Twitter itself is also notoriously known for misleading people and pump and nubs, right? That's what we've seen the last two years through the bull cycle is a lot of pump and nubs, a lot of tokens going to zero, a lot of misleading information, and a lot of retail getting burnt. Jen, back to you.
3: Yeah. So my understanding of how this like defamation case will work is that if it's in fact true and can be proven that BitBoy Crypto, and I'm putting this in quotations, Scams his fans because that's what was used in the title of the YouTube video. Then it's not defamation. It will be interesting to see how far the litigators get into, you know, defining what a scam is and what someone believes to be true is. Uh, on Twitter this morning, a lot of people are coming to, to support for either side. Kobe, you know, the famous Kobe on Twitter has pledged $100,000 to a crowdfunding campaign to help Atozi defend himself zach what did you make of all of this back and forth this morning
2: it's just like this is the junk food of crypto twitter right this is like senseless drama that people are attracted to and it is what it is it continues the tradition of highly litigious people in the crypto space who have the resources to deploy lawyers against people that they're mad at and that's what's happening here whatever pans out will pan out and we're going to see it again Time and time again, as people's feelings get hurt during a bear market, this is when the lawyers get out. But we'll see. It's uh I got to bring up another story. Go for it. Do you guys remember when
4: we had that Pomp BitBoy battle like three, four months ago where they just started yelling at each other? Yeah. Everyone should go back. That's like a a nugget from the last (laughs) bull
2: market that everyone should like keep fondly in their heart and memories because it's just fantastic. Before we change years, I will leave you with this. Up your information diet, people. Come on, let's eat some vegetables out here. Enough of this senseless junk food. You can do better out there on the World Wide Web. All right, I'm tossing it to Wendy. She has the next story today. What's up?
0: Well, unfortunately, Zach, we do have to talk about a little bit more drama. But this one is actually kind of good drama. So do you guys remember the Razzlecon, Miss Heather Morgan?
2: How could... Of course.
4: (laughs) No way! I just remember when this story
0: broke. And for those of you who don't know who this woman is, um, her crimes, apparently alleged crimes were in connection with 2016 Bitfinex hack, where approximately 72 million was drained via a security branch. Again, it is still alleged. They're still in court. But I just remember seeing this on crypto Twitter. I ran to TikTok because I'm very active over there. And I just saw some of her videos and... I, w- I was at the mall with my daughter and I just couldn't stop laughing because it was just such, it was such a conundrum. Like it was absolutely crazy. But anyways, she went ahead and she came out and she said, allege, well, she declares that she's no longer involved in crypto or NFTs and saying any crypto or NFT project bearing my name or likeness is a scam that I do not endorse. So if you guys see any projects with her likeness there, she does not endorse them. And if you do decide to invest in these or whatever connection you may have, please know she's not involved and to please do your due diligence and to be really careful because we're in a bear market. Don't dump money into crazy things. Try to secure your capital. Let me actually throw this over to Jen. The question I have for you is, what did you think when this story broke?
3: I thought it was crazy. I was like, wow, the next Netflix crypto drama in the making, it had all all the elements of an amazing story that you will just remember forever and tell your children. For anyone who forgets what happened, there was a really great Vanity Fair piece, I think, that came out last week or two weeks ago that chronicles the events that happened with Rosal Khan and her husband. So when I read this statement, I thought, you know, what projects are in her name? So I went over to OpenSea, I typed Rosal Khan into the search bar and two projects came up. One had total volume under one ETH and one was zero. And so I wonder why she made the statement it feels like something a lawyer maybe forced her to say the case is still ongoing and i think that she needs to distance herself from all things crypto and that is my take zach what do you think
2: let's just remember the beauty of that day when this happened it was like the crime of the century the heist to top all heists huge amount of bitcoin involved and it is revealed that two spazzes on the internet were behind it. And everyone <laughs> had the best day ever on crypto Twitter. I just well, want to say that. not them. Except for, except, for, except for them. Sorry. At their expense. Alleged, really no, they were both up. They were not Twitter. you still bad. Right? You don't that steal. Means.
0: Stealing is bad.
2: <laughs> no. so that, They're behind that, bars. Yes. It's always worth remembering great, great days in crypto Twitter history. And that was certainly one of them. So I just want to say that, man, there was so much good content on the internet that day. Sorry to Heather and the boyfriend for having to face this. Also, sorry that they did this potential alleged crime, but sorry they had to face <laughs> this, but it was a great day in crypto content. So I'm gonna to toss it to Will for any additional thoughts on that, front.
4: I think you sort of nailed it there, right? There's like a $4.5 billion heist, probably the largest in history in terms of just Bitcoin stolen. And Bitfinex was obviously at the time, like a huge exchange that got destroyed from this. They came back because of some interesting tokenomics that they deployed. Huge day for them to get that back. And then just like on Cherry on Top, right, Zach? Just all the tweets and TikToks that we saw came out of that. It was just fantastic. But I think you really nailed it. I don't have anything else to add there. Just perfect.
2: Tough kiss. Uh,
3: mm. Rap music videos. Forbes contributor. Living on we Wall Street. Some. This should That ch- was my favorite I'm, part.
2: The, the yeah. Forbes contributor part was my favorite part, yeah. just to, to, to be clear. <laughs> all right. I like the pancake one. That just goes to
0: show though, but that just the goes to show TikTok. that humans are humans. <laughs> They're going to human people make mistakes and just be careful where you guys get your information from. Always fact check things. Don't trust one single entity. Don't trust me. Don't trust my amazing co-hosts on the hash. Hear what we say, but continue to do your due diligence and continue to utilize critical thinking and just don't go to one source.
2: Amen. All trust right. Well, let's take, don't trust me. No, don't. don't. Yeah, me neither.
3: Don't. don't trust,
2: <laughs> don't we'll trust
3: we'll Jen. Don't trust. We only trustworthy one here. Will,
2: Will we, we put all of our faith in Will? Um, Thank the you, Oracle Truth, amazing. All right. Welcome. Speaking of oracles, let's talk about chainlink. Just kidding. We're not talking about chainlink. I a nice segue though. Will anyway. Will, next first time. time.
1: CoinDesk has a new event. It's called Ideas: The Investing in Digital Assets and Enterprises Summit. It facilitates capital flow and market growth by connecting the digital economy with traditional finance. Join us for a 360 investment experience where you can source, invest, and secure the next big deal in digital assets all in one place. Use code hash20 for 20% off a general pass. Register today at coiness.com forward slash ideas.
4: Okay, before we get to Jay Clayton and his new involvement on that board, let's talk about Uniswap. Uniswap team has launched the Uniswap Foundation through an on-chain proposal that passed with a lot of money behind it. I think like $80 million is now dedicated towards this foundation, which is going to assist Uniswap Labs and the Uniswap Grants Foundation in order to basically enlarge the scope of the Uniswap community and allow them to move a lot of that huge slush fund they have into the right pockets for developing more things for the Uniswap exchange. Uniswap itself is probably the largest and most important application on top of Ethereum at this point. Maybe some other ones are up there as well, like Curve, I don't know, maybe Tornado Cash until a few weeks ago. Uniswap essentially allows anyone to trade a token for another token. You can do it permissionlessly and very easily. Importantly, they have this other token called Uni, which is supposed to be a governance token. But to date, it's been basically worthless. It's more than just like an associate token that's had a decent price attached to it. They haven't really done anything with it. And so a lot of people over the last few months have been wondering, what should we do with the Uni token? How do we use the Uni token to grow the Uniswap community and grow the Uniswap protocol? And that's where the idea of the Uniswap Foundation came about. So far, this idea has been a little bit polarizing because there's a ton of money in the Uniswap Treasury. And it's just been sitting there. And people are thinking, hey, this might be used for bad purposes that are not going to help the community out. Wendy, I'm going to throw the story up to you. Get your take.
0: One of the things that I first thought about when you're talking about this story is I love development. And I think that it's important that they utilize some of these funds for development to continue growing, to continue working with the community, etc. But at the same time, I also thought it was interesting that you said that they just were letting the treasury or the token sit. And maybe they were doing that because they knew that laws and regulations were coming and they have to be very, very careful on how they execute that. As we've seen with Tornado Cash, it seems that there is a war against code, against free thinking, against building in the crypto space. So maybe they were waiting for the right time to kind of execute this or to start to build it. That's just kind of my thoughts.
2: I'll take it. So Uniswap is, you know, a DeFi blue chip, right? Top five projects easily in terms of total value locked. They've been at it for a while. They sort of changed the game with the UniToken launch. It is really interesting to see that one of the key focus areas of this effort from the foundation is improving the governance process. I think we've seen a lot of DeFi governance that really, I don't know, like underutilized. So the ability for them to pump some, some funds into the ecosystem to build projects that Support a more robust governance dynamic. I think that's going to be great and should be a template for the DeFi space writ large. Super interesting to see this. The foundation is the core aspect of some of these uh, protocols that purport to be public goods, right? These are the key pipes that undergird the entire crypto ecosystem, right? This is a protocol that uh, exchanges a lot of value that turns one token to the next and is something that is used and valued by a lot of folks across the crypto space. So to build out that public good, that infrastructure piece. Something like this certainly makes sense. And it's good to see them take action to build out. Will, what's up? Yeah, this one's interesting
4: because I think there's a little bit more information like underneath the covers if you just lift them a bit and ask like what's going to happen with this money, right? So Uniswap, they launched this token back in 2020. There's a whole backstory here with another exchange called SushiSwap, basically fighting between the two of them. And Uniswap issued its own token in order to sort of defeat SushiSwap. And today it basically has. And now they're sitting around with this giant token, this giant uni allocation. They don't know what to do with it, right? And it's supposed to be used for the community to develop the ecosystem, to enlarge in the brand. But how do you do that in a decentralized community? That's very difficult. And we've seen that issue come up time and time again, going all the way back to the early Bitcoin days where we saw some firms have Bitcoin allocations and they're like, what do we do with this? Do we make a decentralized exchange? Do we make NFTs? Do we make branding, promotions, marketing, events, stuff like that? It's hard to do because you want to get people to use your protocol and enlarge the protocol but you don't know how to spend this money correctly. and At the end of the day, someone's going to have to hold this money. So we've seen a lot of foundations pop up with a lot of money. But to date, a lot of these things don't do that much for the community, arguably, right? A lot of times, the only thing that leads to a protocol or an app taking off is the protocol or the app itself working correctly. Arguably, that's the only reason Uniswap has done so well is because it's so easy to use. It's frictionless. You just pop in, swap some money, get off of it. You don't even need the Uni token. So it's a little superfluous. We'll see what happens with this foundation. I'm not bearish on it, but I just don't expect this to do anything that other foundations have done, which to date is not much. Uh, Jen, I'll give it to you, but I'll saw Wendy's hand go up.
3: Yeah, I'll go super quickly. I mean, Zach took the words right out of my mouth. I think that these are the little kinks that we're going to see for for the foreseeable future. I hate to be the one who says this again, but we're still so early and there's still so many problems to solve when we're talking about governance tokens and Decentralization and DAOs. And so I zeroed in on a quote that I'm going to get in trouble for right now because I didn't let control know I was going to say it, but it's a short one. So there's no organization within the Uniswap ecosystem focused on reducing the friction and governance. And that is one area the foundation will be focused on and is excited to work on. I think we're going to see more developer grants and more money pour into people who are trying to solve, you know, tooling when it comes to, to figuring out that friction with governance. We've spoken of a lot on the show. About, you know, this decentralized governance, is it really decentralized? Is it really achieving all of these lofty goals that we talk about? Are community members really engaged? And I think the answer is no. But if we are able to invest more money into developers who are looking to solve some of these problems, I think that is a good thing. But I don't think we're going to see any solutions anytime soon, unfortunately. Wendy, what do you think? I wanted to kind of piggyback off of what Will said. I think that
0: the release of the Uni token was really genius marketing. We saw a lot of projects giving airdrops during that time. So I guess what they did was instead of spending money for marketing, they actually created money to give away for marketing, if that makes any sense. It was an interesting tactic though. And I do like airdrop.
4: We all love those airdrops, except Mm -hmm. for tax season. It
2: kind of blows when it comes around. Tough, tough nuts. All right, I'll take it from there. That was a good that was a good good <laughs> baton pass. We 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 got it. All right, changing gears. Let's go to the, land it off the ground. Of it's okay. We'll be in the Olympics any old day now. All right. Starting over. We are gonna go to the land of crypto venture capital, electric capital, which has really risen to prominence in the last year or so. They raised a billion dollar venture fund. They're really well known for some of their developer reports in which they look and track developer activity across the space. Hey, they're adding Jake. Clayton, ex SEC chair to the roster. He's going to be joining as an advisor along with a former person from the Federal Reserve and someone formerly of Facebook. So, interesting to see that they're expanding their advisory roster with some big names. We could go any number of ways with this one, but I'm going to toss it to Jen for her thoughts.
3: Oh, okay. I thought this was really interesting. I, I really think this is how we forge the industry forward. So, someone like Jay Clayton understands the inner workings of the SEC. Understands what can be done when we get these, this kind of vague information and vague actions. And then when we look at the other two members that were named advisors, so we have Kevin Walsh, who's the former member of the Federal Reserve Board and Pratiti Ray Chowdhury, Vice President and Research Head at Meta Platforms. I think for the industry to move forward, we need to understand how to play nicely, one with regulators and one with large web two platforms who have the audiences we want to board. Into onto these different platforms and into the industry. So I think this is really clever. I think we are going to see more of it. And the more ex-SEC employees, I think that are employed by the crypto industry, the better. Wendy, what do you think?
0: I kind of feel like this is a double-edged sword. I understand what you're saying about getting SEC regulators and people who've worked in law to come into the crypto space. But at the same time, it doesn't rub me the right way because we have people that all they've done is just put out predatory laws against crypto. When has the SEC really worked with any crypto project? Can any of you give a positive interaction where they said, hey, you know, submit this, register with us, report this, and let's work with you. Let's help you be compliant. Let's you know, not give you a bunch of gray laws. Let's really help push you forward. Have they done that?
3: Okay. But this is ex-SEC, Wendy. This is the important part but here they're no longer bound by the confines of those walls they are free to share information and their experience and bring different thinking to organizations
0: yeah but if they all. really cared about <laughs> if they really cared about the crypto industry don't you think when they were in office they would have done good or they would have tried to do good i really think that the sec had a lot of time especially since the bull run of 2017 to step in and say this is what's going to happen this is what we're going to do this could change but build, thrive, let's build the economy back up, let's get people in jobs, you know, let's work with you. I just don't see them doing that. And I just can't sit here and praise somebody who sat in office or had a role to kind of really help stifle the industry, but then wants to come in and profit off of us. So that's my only gripe. The TradFi
4: corollary here, of course, is like the government to hedge fund pipeline we see oftentimes, or the the vice versa, right? Where we see like these big hedge fund guys go into government do a little stint at an SEC or some other like ABC government regulatory agency, and then jump back into traditional finance with a nice large bonus, board advisory, some sort of equity, cash, nice salary, right? All the perks that you want. And we see in crypto and there's a good reason for it, right? These people, they have experience, they know the inner workings. And more than that, they are a headline, right? The fact that we're talking about Jake Clayton joining this firm speaks a lot to the power of electric capital, that they're able to pick up someone like this and put them on their board means that they probably have a little bit of dough to throw his way. So as much as like crypto wants to be different, right? It can't be. Like it has to have the same way because it's still dealing with humans. They still want to have these sort of people on their boards. Zach, to you?
2: I think it's also interesting to see that the VC firms are really leading this conversation, right? There's like this little like, I don't know, fantastic four or I don't know what the, the analogy would be, but there's like all these people from the regulatory cabal back in 2018, 2019 who are now working on behalf of venture capital firms to advance some of the conversations around getting clarity for what digital assets are and aren't. So we have Quintens, who's over at A16Z. We have crypto Dad, Chris Giancarlo, things with CoinFund and advisory capacity. Now we have Jay Clayton obviously doing his thing over Electric. So there's this sort of like, you know, there's this, this trio, this trifecta, this power group of ex-regulators who are now working on behalf of crypto VCs to potentially advance that conversation in the halls of power. Okay, what is a digital asset security, what is a commodity? How should it be regulated? How do we make this more clear? And I think it's been really interesting to see over the last year that VCs have really taken it upon themselves to fund a lot of that work, right? Uh, so that to me is the, the notable thing here that we're seeing. Is growing is growing list of ex-regulators join crypto venture capital firms to further these conversations with their old buddies in DC. So that to me stands out. I don't know. Last thoughts? Will, Jen? I dig it. Wendy? I dig it.
3: I want to know Nailed what... It. Hester Peirce is going to do after the SEC. It's going to be something amazing.
2: Nice. Yeah. That's a good one. That's a good yeah. one. Hester's actually Any done.
0: Bets? She's, she's done? actually been one of the only... No, she's, she's done like really amazing stuff for the oh. space. Like she's literally tried... She's put herself out there. She's tried to come up with regulatory clarity. She's proposed things and nobody has really worked with her on this. So again, for me, it's just really frustrating because we have these people that have been in the, working in the back to essentially stifle our innovation and stifle our growth but now that they want to profit off of us. So it just doesn't... The, the punk rock in me just says it doesn't sit right.
3: Our resident What's the punk rocker. Ring?
2: What, like, what would be the prize? Would it be Hester to Coinbase? Like She has the goodwill mm. of the industry. Where mm. should she go? Where could she go? This would be a fantastic prediction market. Let's get on this team. Let's get on it. All right. That's it for today. We're going to wrap it there. Let's go gamble <laughs> on some stuff, people. All right. Cool, cool, cool. Good <laughs> times. Thanks football. for watching Ash. Yeah. Fantasy football is coming back. I'm kind of in the hunt for a fantasy baseball playoff spot. So wish me well this week. I might be able to get in there. Mm. Fingers crossed. All right. I'm Zach Seward. That's Jen Sinassi, Will Foxley, Wendy O. We're The Hash. We'll be here tomorrow. Take it easy. Bye.
1: You've been listening to The Hash on the Coindesk Podcast Network.